Center. So whatever you see Brian Houston do, it's because he set him up. He, he got him where he was. He laid the foundation for Hillsong to be what it is today. Why don't we just, if we can, just stand to our feet, just to um, honor the Word of God this morning and to welcome Pastor Mike as he comes. Good morning. Uh, yeah. What a great church you've got here. That was an amazing time of worship this morning. Oh, it is so good to be here. Hey, how are you going? I'm going to take my coat off. It's a bit warm in here. You know... Um, when I came here, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't even know where Port Lincoln was. I, I seriously didn't. And I got on the plane and I thought, I don't quite know where I'm going. So, <laughs> serious. So, I had to open the magazine where the map was at the back. And I thought, oh, that's Port Lincoln. And um, yeah, this, is, this is a beautiful place. Um, you know, I, I, I think the city is beautiful. And um, yesterday, Pastor Rob took me to, um, was it Coffin National Park? And... You know, to be honest, I have never seen emus in the middle of the road before. And I saw them yesterday. <laughs> emus. And emus in the middle of the road and kangaroos. and Fantastic place. And I've been so blessed with um, catching up with Pastor Rob again and um, meeting Pastor Pauline. Uh, you have got a very godly pastoral family here. You are very blessed. And you're very blessed. And you have got a, um, a great church here. And I do believe, I'm not just saying it, but... I think this is a very, very strategic church. I really feel that. Just looking at all of you guys, this is a, you are a strategic church, and God has got great plans for you. And so I'm so pleased to be here. You might be wondering who I am. Um, well, you know what my, what my name is, Mike Smith. Uh, I am from Melbourne. I've got a wife and four children. Very, very blessed. Um, I've got my oldest daughter. Lee has just taken over my church. Um, I have I, I transitioned my church in February this year, and my daughter and her husband have um, taken it over, and which is such a blessing. Um, then my, I've got another son. I've got a son who's an Anglican minister. That's interesting. <laughs> we do have some interesting discussions. Grew up as a Pentecostal, now he's an on fire evangelical Anglican Christian. My other son is a worship leader. And my daughter, my daughter's got down, my younger daughter's got Down syndrome, and she's our church dancer. Um, in our church, we only have one dancer. It's my daughter. <laughs> and it's, she's an amazing dancer, dancing combined with gymnastic routines, and yeah, great blessing. And so I've got a wonderful family, and I've been pastoring for 33 years. <laughs> and now I have stopped pastoring. But I have, I have started the next phase, which is a ministry called Every Believer Can, because my greatest passion, and this is probably why I have, one of the reasons why I have stopped pastoring, my greatest passion is to help all believers to become effective witnesses for Christ. That is, that is my heart. I believe that every single Christian from day one of their salvation can be an effective witness for Christ. And so um, that is what I'm doing, and 
I'm going to be talking a little bit on that this subject this morning. So um, I'm going to pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this opportunity for me to be here this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you will help me to preach well today, that you will anoint the words I speak. And Lord God, I pray that something wonderful will be established in this time that we have together. I pray, Lord God, that kingdom work will be done this morning. But Lord, I just pray that you'll help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I have got my, um, my scriptures up on PowerPoint, so you can see them up there. But um, if you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn to it also. I'd like to turn to one of my very favorite scriptures in the Bible, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. I love this scripture. It's funny, it's, you know, sometimes you get favorite scriptures. This one here, the letters 10:10, God it constantly shows me these, these numbers. I can, I can wake up in the middle of the night and I can look at my alarm clock and it, and it goes, I'm in the middle of the night, 10, 10 o'clock anyway. <laughs> when, when you get older, you go to bed earlier. <laughs> and then, you know, there'll be 10, 10, you know, 10, 10. I'm always reminded of 10, 10. But anyway, um, we know the scripture pretty well. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I just love that scripture. It's an amazing scripture. There are two aspects to this particular scripture. The first aspect is the Jesus aspect, that Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the full. I praise God for our salvation. I just want to say to you, Christian, today, no matter what your situation is right now, you are the luckiest people in the whole world. Your Christianity is the pearl of great price. What you've got is the most precious thing that you can ever have. And I just want to, um, I could say so much about that because it's one of my favorite subjects, the good news of our salvation. But there's a scripture which is one of my very favorites at the moment. Um, it's Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 4 to 6. And to me, this just really sums up just how blessed we are for those of us who know Christ as our Savior. And this is what the, the Bible says that even before he made the world. Okay, just stop there. Even before the world came into existence, God loved us. Get your head around that one. The world's not even in place, and God, God loves us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. <laughs> That's how God sees you. He sees you as holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt you into his own family. You're part of the family of God by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gives God so much pleasure that you're part of his family. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Look, the reality is we, we are the most blessed people in the world. We are, we, are, we are part of God's family. I'll tell you something about God's family also. God's family is an eternal family. And it's eternal because God is eternal. God has no beginning. God has no end. God is there forever and ever. And before God made the world, he wanted a family, which is you. Now, he doesn't want a family that's going to die on him all the time which is why he's also given you the gift of eternal life. We are eternal people and part of God's eternal family. You are the most blessed person in the world. 
Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the full. But there's a second aspect to this scripture. The second aspect is the thief aspect. It says the thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, destroy. Christian, I just want to say to you this morning that the devil would just, would really, really like to rip you off big time. He'd like to steal, kill, and destroy. And he lost a massive battle when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. When you receive Christ, he lost a huge battle. But what he now will try to do is to try to make you, as a Christian, he'll do everything he can to steal from you, steal your blessings, your joy, your effectiveness, and just cause you to be a miserable Christian. We've got to be aware that that's, that that's what, what the enemy wants to do. But his big plan, the devil's big plan, is to stop people discovering the greatest gift that anybody could discover. That is the gift of Christianity. And there's a scripture which I want to show you which sums it up so well. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, it says that the God, small g, um, the devil is called the small g, the God of this age has blinded, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. There's a blinding. There are so many people um, in Port Lincoln who have just simply, they, they, their minds have been blinded to the fact that there's this incredible, incredible, incredible blessing within grasp, but they just don't know about it. You know, there was a story um, years ago during the Great Depression years in the United States, there was a farmer who was so poor, he could barely feed his own family. He was, he was incredibly poor. He owned this farm, and he could, he could barely survive. But what he didn't realize was that underneath the surface of the ground was a massive, massive reserve of oil. And to this day, it's one of Texas's largest oil fields. This man was poverty-stricken. He had nothing. He was living as a pauper. And yet he didn't realize that within reach, he had the, the most incredible riches, you know what, the devil, Christians, Christians here, the devil is going to try to let you know that what you've got isn't, isn't valuable. He's going to try to stop you stepping in the fullness of what is yours. But for non-Christians, there is incredible wealth within reach and they don't even know about it. They've been blinded. And, and for that reason, God has called us to open blind eyes. That's the call. God has called us to open blind eyes. And one of the reasons that I'm so passionate, and I really am very passionate about this, to the fact that this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, one of the reasons I'm so passionate because I know what it was like. Because, because for me, um, the first 23 years of my life, I had been blinded. For the first 23 years of my life, I literally thought Christianity was the most boring lifestyle that anybody could experience. That was what I thought of Christians. I thought, Christians, who'd want to become a boring Christian? That is what I felt for the first 23 years of my life. The reason being, from a very, very young age, um, I went, I was sort of taken to a, a very dead traditional church. The average age of the people there were, was 90. Um, no offense to anybody here who's 90. My father's 90. I, but you know what I'm saying? It was a very, very old, dead, boring church. And that was my lot in life right through to the age of 15. And so my whole concept was Christians boring people, people who have no fun, they can't do this, they can't do that, they, you know, just, you know, if you don't have any friends, become a Christian. You know, that was sort of <laughs> my whole concept. 
that was a total blinding. I was completely blinded. I had no, con- no idea that there's anything good about, about Christianity. No one had told me. When I was 23 years old, my best friend became a born-again believer. Um, I couldn't believe it. He was one of the wildest people you could ever find. I won't go into the details of what we did because I just sort of don't want to um, <laughs> have you thinking badly of me. But, um, you know, we were pretty wild back then. And he became a Christian and he started, he knew practically nothing about Christianity, but he'd been powerfully born again in a Pentecostal church. And he started witnessing to me and he started witnessing to me and he started witnessing and giving me books to read, all, all sorts of things. Well, to cut a long story short, I had a completely miraculous conversion, which I will actually talk about tonight, but I don't have time to go, in, go into it this morning. But I had a, a totally miraculous conversion and I received Christ. And instantly I thought, oh my goodness. I thought that I thought that Christians were the most boring people. In fact, I have been the most boring person. In fact, Christianity is a super is an incredible supernatural lifestyle, and I have now discovered it. I have become part of God's family. I was, in the words of Paul in the book of Ephesians, I was formerly without God and without hope. And can I tell you, there are many, many people in Port Lincoln. That's exactly where they are, they are at. They've got no hope in their life. Life is just terrible for them. They are without God and without hope, and yet their riches is, in, is within grasp, but they simply don't know about it. And so at that point, I realized that none of, my, none of my friends were Christians and none of my family were Christians, and I knew that I had to go out and open blind eyes. So I knew nothing about Christianity except I just got saved. And I remember the next day, I thought, right, I'm going I'm to tell my, my best friends about what has happened to me. So I invited two of my friends over. I was so scared to tell them. I was embarrassed to tell them. Like, I'd just been born again, but I was still nervous because I knew <laughs> how they'd feel, and I knew what they'd say to me. And one of my friends absolutely paid out on me. I was so nervous, I had to put on my, what I called back then, my, my Louis the Fly sunglasses. There are these glasses where if you looked at me, you'd see, uh, you know, like these, your own reflection there. And I sat there, and I, I can remember I was sitting there, and I thought, I'll count to ten, and I'll tell them. Um, I've just become a born-again Christian. One of my friends laughed. You know, he just laughed, and he continued laughing for months, really. (laughs) But my other friend, probably my second best friend, he said, yeah, can you tell me about this? And um, I I told him about it. His name, some of you will actually know him. His name is is Jeff Bullock. And, okay, yeah, Jeff Bullock, he was a a young muso. He was one of my, my very, very best friends. And after about three months, Jeff became the first person who I was ever able to lead to Christ. And um, it was just wonderful. And the joy and the blessing um, of being heroic and sharing my faith when I was very, very nervous, it just added something to my relationship with God. It, it, it kept me in a state of revival. And in that first year, um, incidentally, Jeff Bullock wrote some incredible songs, The Power of Your Love and other songs like that, just wonderful. But it's um, another story. But... Um, in that first year, I was, able to lead, huh, I, was, I was able to lead a lot of my friends to the Lord in the first year. They either got saved or they hated me. <laughs> that was what happened. And, <laughs> and I, was, I was in a church, um, a Christian Life Center, and every week you saw people coming to Christ. And it was so exciting. Seeing people, seeing people coming to Christ was just awesome. And, um, and then I'd been a Christian for, it was seven years. And then um, Brian Houston asked me to become his as Rob said, he's a first associate pastor. 
So I came on into a church that was absolutely on fire. It was then Hills Christian Life Center. And every week we saw people coming to Christ. And I'd be seeing friends coming to Christ, and it was just amazing. It was just a state of revival because we were out witnessing. We were out stepping out boldly, proclaiming, going to people who were without God and without hope. And it was so exciting. And then after six years with Brian, I came to Melbourne, and I've been pastoring in Melbourne, and the same thing happened. We we were seeing every week people coming to Christ, and, you know, we we saw a whole youth group birthed probably in about six months. Started off with about five people, and then we had one of the most on-fire youth groups in Melbourne as young people were just coming to Christ. It was so exciting. It was so amazing. Then, but what happened was, after a period of time, not so many people started coming to church. It was as though that, I guess it might have been with, you know, with the computers and Facebook, whilst people, whilst non-Christian people would come along to church and hear the gospel, it sort of dropped off. And I, and I didn't have any friends to lead to Christ because all my friends got saved and the people who I worked with were all you know, pastors and you know, I've, you know, <laughs> they'd already come to Christ. So I, I was at a place where I was getting discouraged. That sense of excitement and revival had gone. You know, it was as though, where are, where are people coming to Christ now? It was, it was frustrating, and it was very, very disappointing. And I know that there are many, many pastors and many church people now who are feeling the same thing. and saying, where are the people coming to Christ? We, we need to see a breakthrough. Anyway, I said, God, you know, what do we do? And I knew that I was now married, and I had kids, and it was busy, and all of these, everything had crept in. And I thought, the, the fire, the passion just isn't quite there. What's the strategy? And God gave me a scripture which I want to share with you. Um, It's Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 18 to 19. Isaiah 43. this This is a great scripture. Do not remember the former things. Do not consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. I am completely convinced that we are poised in Australia right now for something new and something very, very potent and powerful. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God really spoke to me through this scripture. He said, there is a new thing that really needs to happen. There there, there are changes that need to happen. And what God showed me was that phrase there, rivers in the desert. We went through a time in the 1990s where it was all about, you know, the river, you know, jumping in the river and, you know, and within within the confines, the four walls of the church, there was incredible blessing and Christians were being built up and built up and built up and it was, you know, the rivers, the Holy Spirit and all of that, which was, which was wonderful. It was incredible. But God is saying now, it cannot just be contained in the four walls of the church. The rivers have got to start getting out into the wilderness. And this is, this is the thing that God, that God showed me. You know, he said, he said, there are people out there and we have simply got to, we can't just sit around expecting people to walk through the door. You know, that isn't good enough anymore. It's just not happening anymore. People have got too many other things to do on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. You know, you know there's just so many options there. that people just aren't simply walking into church because, well, oh, I might as well do something. You know, there's so many other things to do. We've got to get out there. 
And when I started thinking about this, it really, it really stirred me as a pastor and also as an individual because, you know, it's one thing being a pastor and seeing people come to Christ, but it's another thing being a pastor as an individual do, walking around the place leading people to Christ as well, which is what I, I clearly wanted to do. And from this revelation about we've got to get out, God gave me he, the, the, the three things I just want to share with you, three observations that I want to throw your way this morning. Um, there's so much I could say, and I do a whole course to explain all this, but I'm, I'm just giving, th- th- these are some things that I think are very relevant this morning. The first thing is this, what, what I've come to realize is that in the wilderness places, out there, outside of the walls of the church, people simply do not understand the gospel. They don't understand. I did not understand it for 23 years. For 23 years, I had this notion that Christians were goody-goodies who'd go to church, who read the Bible, who prayed, who were, who were boring people. That's what I thought Christianity was. Oh, and the hope that they go to heaven when they die, you know. People do not understand the gospel out there. They think they do, but they don't. They think they do, but they don't. I was talking to my, to my sister, who's a proclaimed atheist. I don't know whether there's such a thing as an atheist, to be honest with you, because how can somebody not believe in God? <laughs> you, just, you just have to look at nature. You know, you look at emus on the road, <laughs> driving through the national park, and you know, God's there. Anyway, to cut along so short. But um, I, was, I was talking to my sister, uh, who has been exposed to Christian things all of her life. And the other day she said, I don't understand it. I know some people who are so nice. They're so much nicer than Christians. And, you know, and, and they're going to be separated from God, and they are so much nicer, you know. And I had to say to her, I said, I don't think you understand. Being a Christian isn't, isn't about being nice. It's about having a supernatural encounter with God, you know, where you're born again. And she really, you know, I'm thinking, surely you, you, you should know that. People do not know the gospel. They don't. In the wilderness places, we think they do, but they don't. I've got a hairdresser who has been cutting my hair for years and years, and she's a lovely, one of the most godly, nice people you could ever, you could ever meet. She's, she's, she's Catholic. And it was, it, was, it was the day before Easter. And she said to me, uh, she said, oh, Good Friday. She said, it's such, so, so sad. It is such a sad time. I don't know why they call it Good Friday. Oh, it is so sad. And she's a very compassionate person. Oh, I'm so sad about poor Jesus, you know. And I said, could I explain to you why it's called Good Friday? And I just explained what Christ had done and how he'd forgiven our sins and he had brought us into, in, into God's family. And she said, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. She said, that's wonderful. And I said, you go to Mass all the time. Haven't you, haven't you heard this before? She said, no, I've never understood it before. People don't know. I had a businessman from our, um, a businessman came to my church. He, he was there about, for about three or four weeks. A lovely man, a man in his 50s in the local area, um, owned his own business, just a really nice man. And, he, and um, I saw him standing at the door when I was saying goodbye to people. And I, I, I went up to him and I said, oh, are you enjoying church? He said, yeah, yeah, it's really good. He said, but I, I just don't understand this born again thing. I'm thinking, man, this guy's in his, in his mid-50s and he's been in churches. So I said, could I have, have a coffee with you? And he said, sure. So anyway, we caught up for a coffee and I sat down with him and I said, can I explain the message of Christianity to you? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love you to. So I explained it to him and he said, I've never heard that before. I'm thinking, why haven't you heard this before? He said, I've never heard it before. And he said, I want to become a Christian right now. 
So I was able to lead him to the Lord. I am aware. I am aware because I've talked to a lot of people. Most people do not know. They think they know what Christianity is. They think it's about being good and going to church. That's what they think. But to say to them, do you know this is a supernatural, radical lifestyle, which is, you know, just, you know, the most amazing blessing? No, I never knew that. Okay, that's, that, that's the first thing that I had to come to be aware, aware of, that wherever I went, I'm surrounded by people who simply don't know. The second thing, which, which, um, which we need to, second observation is, is that every single believer, all of us, every single one, without exception, are called to be witnesses for Christ. Every single one of us. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 18, Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We have been called to be witnesses. You may say, oh, I, I just don't have the ability. Well, can I tell you that you are actually not correct there? You totally have the ability to be a witness for Christ. Because in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, in Acts verse 1, 8, we, we are told, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and Port Lincoln. Everywhere, you will receive power in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's come upon us for us to be witnesses. We're not all going to be evangelists. We're not all going to be going out on the streets, handing, you know, handing out tracts and preaching to people. We're not going to be standing on street corners preaching. You know, We're not all going to be doing that, but we can be witnesses. A witness means that 24-7, we know that we have the most incredible gift that anybody could have. We've got it. And, and around us, we've got people who are blind. And we've got the ability to help them to see. Wherever we go, wherever we go, we are God's people wherever we walk. Supermarket, work, in a, in a taxi, on a bus, wherever we go. Hey, there's people around me who are without God and without hope. I don't have to preach to them. I don't have to do anything to them. I just need to be a witness. And the Holy Spirit will show me things to do. It could be, it could be praying for somebody who's sick. It could be telling somebody that at the weekend you actually went to church and you had an amazing time. And then they may say, why do you do that? Boom. You can then tell them what it means to be a Christian. We, are, we, we can all do it. You may be the most inadequate. You may think you're the most inadequate person here. You know, I started being a witness for Christ on day one when I became a Christian. Did I know any theology? Zilch. I knew nothing. I don't know what I said to Jeff in those early weeks, but I sure didn't know much. But he could see that I was enthusiastic and all that type of thing. And then I invited him along to church, and with the invitation came the conversion. Can you imagine what would happen if, if today, if, if next week, every one of you invited somebody along to church? And Rob's up here preaching like Reinhardt Bonnke or Billy Graham, you know, like. <laughs> so all of us are have been called to be witnesses. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he uses some of these words to describe us. He's talking about new creation people. That's you. People who are in Christ. He says that you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've got, you, you are ministers of recon, reconciling people to God. You've been given the word of reconciliation. You are Christ's ambassadors. And get this one, and God is making his appeal. God is making his appeal to see his family raised up through you. God's making his appeal through you. And the third observation I want to make is this, that the message that we have, the message of the cross the message of the cross, the salvation message, is a totally supernatural message. 
Now, I could spend a lot of time on this, and I, which, I, which I don't have, but I can tell you that when you s talk about the message of the cross, it carries supernatural power. I have sometimes talked about the message of the cross in a very, very nervous, stumbling manner where I felt absolutely nothing, and people have just mir had a, a miraculous encounter with God. There is supernatural power when we talk about what Christ has done. The Holy Spirit just latches itself onto that message, and when that message goes forth, it, it has the ability just to burst people's hearts open. It is a massive thing. I can still remember, uh, I can remember in, in church a couple of years ago, um, I, I was actually preaching, I was preaching the message of the cross, and there was a girl on the right, just about over there, and she just started trembling and crying throughout the whole thing. She didn't, I have seen this happen time and time again, the power of God just touching people when they listen to the message of the cross, because it is a message that saves people, brings them into this supernatural place of encounter with God. It's amazing. So Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the first part of that verse, we all know this one. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. There is power. Just want to, um, as I sort of reach, come to a, a bit of a conclusion here, um, I just want to share a story with you. This is one of the most um, impacting things that has, that has happened to me in the area of being a witness for Christ. It's one thing for me to be able to preach from a pulpit, but for me it's probably scarier when I have to do it out on the street, you know, with my friends, family, and neighbors. Anyway, this is the story. My wife and I were in China. And um, we do, when we go away, we do everything as cheaply as we can, so we don't do any tours, we do it all ourselves. We went to China, and we found that nobody speaks English. There are no signs in English. There's nothing. So it, was, it really was navigating our way by faith. <laughs> anyway, so Julie and I, we get on a train at Shanghai. It was a fast train to Beijing. Three hours, it was a fast train. Let me tell you, it was a fast train. We sat there, and the train had a speedo up in the carriage, and I'm watching, 310 kilometers an hour? <laughs> like, uh, it was going pretty darn quick. Anyway, so there's, there's Julie, there's me, and there's a young Chinese businessman, a young Chinese businessman next to me who spoke very good English. He was a young professional. And so we're sitting there, and I'm asking him what he does. I, I always like to ask leading questions to see where they go. You see, if I ask somebody what they do, they're going to ask me what I do, and I say I'm a church minister. And then I just sort of sit there and think, now where is this going to lead? <laughs> anyway, so um, I, I told him that I was, um, so I asked him, and then he asked me, and I said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm a Christian minister. And he said, oh, he said, can you tell me the difference between a Catholic and a Christian. I thought, oh, that's a bit of a bit of an interesting subject. Um, and so I, I sort of didn't go into what Catholicism is all about, or any of that, but I said to him, I said, could I just, sh just tell you what Christianity is all about? I said, could I show you an illustration that I've got? And he said, yeah, show me. So I got this little um, thing, you know, what, handkerchief, serviette thing, and I got, I, I got a pencil, and I did the bridge illustration with him. And I, I said, this is us on this side, and we've done a lot of things wrong. You, you know you've done things. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, so I said, we've done a lot of things wrong, and this is God on the other side. God is perfect. 
And, and I just explained, I said, and Jesus came and he's the bridge because Jesus took all of our, all of our darkness away. And when all of the darkness was away, we've become light. And because we're light, we can now connect with God who's light. And, I, and, and he, he said, oh, I get it, I get it. So Jesus comes and we are forgiven. And because we're forgiven, um, oh, actually, yeah, we, we, we've got it here. Just, just keep it on that slide there. Um, yeah, because I, 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 when I finish this, I'm, I'm just going to go through the whole thing. Yeah. So anyway, so I was, I was just explaining this thing to him, the bridge, just explaining it very, very clearly to him. And he said, I've got it. And I started talking to him a little bit, and I thought, gosh, I wonder if he's got it. And he, but I, I thought he had. Anyway, the train comes, gets into Beijing, and when we get to Beijing... Uh, we got off the train and we were looking for um, a taxi. And we walked over to where the taxis were. And he, he ran up after us and he said, you aren't going to get a taxi, something's gone wrong. You're going to have to get on another train and go to another station. And by this stage, we're freaking out thinking, oh, great, you know, this is going to be complicated. And he said, I will show you. So he walked us over. He bought us a ticket for this other, this other train. And I said, thank you, thank you so much, uh, because he, he wouldn't let us pay. I said, thank you, you're so kind. And he said, okay, now I'm going to show you where the train goes from. And I said, thank you so much, because we had no hope of getting anywhere. So, so he said, I will show you where to go. So he walked us over to this other platform. I said, thank you. And he, then he got on the train. And I said, you don't live anywhere near here. Says, he says, no, I don't, but I'm going to take you to where you're staying. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So here we go. We, 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 we go to the, to the station where we stayed at. He gets off. He then walks us to our hotel. I got there, you know, we got there and I said, you are so kind. I said, thank you so much. And he said, no, thank you. Because of what you shared with me on the train, my life has been changed forever. And I thought to myself, that is the power. That is the power of the gospel. I simply explained the message and it grabbed him. He got it in his heart because the Holy Spirit touched him. Look, I could tell you story after story after story about how that has happened. By, by being able to simply present the message of the cross, which unfortunately many Christians aren't comfortable doing. And so I've just got such a passion to help people to become witnesses for Christ. Um, yeah, message of the cross. So I'm going to close by sharing with you. Um, is, is that the first one? Or that one? Oh, beautiful. The message of the cross. I just want to share with you the most beautiful story ever told. I just want to show you what I do, what, what I do with, with people. It takes about two minutes, two minutes to share, and it is so powerful. This is what I say. This is the message of the cross. God's eternal plan to be part of his eternal family. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. That's the scripture I showed. This is the greatest blessing that anybody could ever have to become part of God's family. You may be going through the worst time of your life right now, but can I tell you, you are still part of God's family. So this is God's eternal plan. Next slide. We have a problem. God, I know you're real, but I can't reach you. How many people say that? How many people say, God, I know you're real, but I don't know how to reach you. It is people say that. Um, the reason being is because we have done so many things wrong. And God is completely light, and light and darkness cannot coexist. Why do you think people, why do you think that, you know, 
80 or 90% of the world's population get in, you know, seek some sort of religion. It's because they want to connect with God. But light and darkness cannot coexist. God, I know you're real, but I can't reach you. Man's problem. But God's solution. The next slide. The good news of the gospel. Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin, and forgiveness is a free gift. Jesus has paid the penalty. When I told my hairdresser about Good Friday, while Jesus was crucified, she thought it was bad. But it wasn't bad. It was good for us because he paid the penalty for everything that, everything that we've done wrong. The next slide, the good news of the gospel, and our response is the faith walk. Thank you, God, for your gift of forgiveness. At the age of 23, when I received Christ, all of my sins were taken away, and I became light. And I knew that the barrier, the God, where are you? It was kind of, God, you're now here. You're here. I'm in your family. And, the, and I knew at that point that for the rest of my life, the rest of my life would be so different, would be so exciting. It didn't mean that I haven't had problems and disasters and all sorts of things, but I've always been part of God's family, His eternal family. And Jesus has come that I will have life and have it more abundantly, and so will you. This is the greatest story ever told. This is the story that the people of Port Lincoln simply don't know. They don't know. Can I have the final one? Final one here. So I really would know very few people here, maybe six people here. So I'm going to ask you this question. Where do you think you are right now? Where would you be right now? Are you on which side are you on? Are you on this side? And I think probably most of you are. You're part of God's family. But you mightn't be. You may still be here. On this side here. <laughs> Question is, do you want God's free gift of forgiveness? Do you want to become part of God's family? Were you like me, completely deceived, thinking, oh, Christianity, what a drag. You, know, you, may, you, might, you, you may be someone who thought, I, I just simply don't understand what it's all about. This morning, I'd like to ask you, would you like to walk across? Would you like to walk across? To, to, to step in to an eternal relationship with God that isn't boring, that as you understand what is yours in Christ, it is the, it's <laughs> the most challenging life you could possibly live. Where are you right now? This morning in this meeting, you may be here and you may be like that businessman who I spoke with. He's never completely understood it. When I explained this to him, he said, I want to walk across. You may be here this morning and thinking, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure about this. I've never, I've never really known that I've become a Christian. I'm, I've got so much uncertainty. You need to just walk across this morning and get your feet planted solidly here and just say, yeah, and, and just acknowledge that you are part of God's family. You may be here this morning and you may be somebody and the devil has ripped you off, Christian, and that you, that he has had a field day with you and you're not walking with God now at all. And the devil's saying to you, well, you'll never, ever get back. You'll never, ever get back. Well, I think this morning that you, that you may need to, within your heart and faith, say, I've done this before, but I am just going to reaffirm my faith this morning and I am going to say, God, I'm walking across to become part of your family. I am sorry that, I've been, that I have been ripped off, but I, I want to live for you. 
this is what I want to present to you this morning. Could I have every head bowed, please? Every eye closed in this auditorium right now. The question I want to ask you is, where are you now? And if this morning in this church meeting, within your heart you're saying, Pastor Mike, this morning I want to walk across. I just want to confidently become part of God's family. I want to walk across. If that is you this morning, for whatever reason it is, could you please, so I can see you, could you please raise your hand and say, Pastor Mike, that's me this morning. Could you please raise your hand so I can see? I'm going to have to do this through lights here, but yes, I can see there's a, the lady here. There's a gentleman up the back. There's a, a young man on this left-hand side. There's a, another man on this left-hand side. And there's somebody up the back, up the back there. Okay. Wonderful. Could uh, please, please put your hands down. And could you please just, just, just look this way. If you put your hand up this morning, and, you, and this sincerely is what you want. If you're here this morning and say, this is really, really what I want. I want to be part of God's family. I want to be a born again Christian. That is me. That is me. If you are sincere, if that is you, then I'm saying to you right now, this is the, this decision you've made this morning like what I did when I was 23 years old is a massive, 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 the most massive decision you've ever made. It's the biggest decision. It's, more, it's, a, it's a bigger bigger decision than choosing a marriage partner. <laughs> Thought I'd throw that one in. It is become, becoming part of God's family is the biggest thing. And if you are sincere this morning, if you are sincere, it's happened for you. Now, what I would, what, what I would, would like is um, when this meeting has finished, some of the church leaders will, will have got things to give. Yep, they got some stuff to give you. They'll pray with you and they will help you on the next, next step. God bless you. 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 Over there. Um, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, most amazing thing. When people make their peace with God, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. Okay. Final, final thought, final challenge to all of us here. Final challenge. How many of you like having encounters with God? I won't ask you to all. I, I think it would be great if everybody, if all, I'm sure all of you would. There's something about having an encounter with God. Can I just say to you that the more encounters, incredible encounters that we have with God, the more our heart needs to be softened towards our call to see people who, we, who are without God and without hope um, come to Christ. There's a story in the Old Testament, which I'm finishing with, in Isaiah chapter 6. It's, one of, it's a description of a supernatural encounter that a man of God, that a man had with God. His name was the prophet Isaiah. I think most of you would, would, would know this from Isaiah chapter 6. But Isaiah saw God. It was a potent encounter. It was a supernatural encounter with God. He, saw, he was in the presence of God. He saw the Lord seated upon the throne. He saw the angels. It was an incredible encounter that he had with God. And as a result of that encounter, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom will go for me? And this man who had just had an authentic encounter with God immediately said, God, God, I will do anything for you. 
Here I am, send me, I want to go. This is what we need now. We need to have incredible worship times. We need to hear great Bible teaching. We need to have fantastic times in church. We need encounters with God. But it's got to touch our hearts so that we say, God, here I am, send me. And so I believe, I truly believe that as, as the one heart church has one heart with God and feels the heartbeat of God saying, hey, will you go for me? You're in a community where people don't know what it is. God will help you step by step. He will equip you step by step. And you are going to come into a place where you're going to see this city transformed by the Holy Spirit through you being a witness for Christ. Could everybody please stand in the presence of the Lord? We're going to... Um, do a do a worship do we're going to do a worship song and i don't quite know how this is going to work but we're just going to see what happens here what what i want to do what i want to do the voice of the lord is is going out whom shall i send and i know there are many 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 people here who within your heart you're saying here i am god god this is what i want God, I don't feel confident. I don't know what to do. But God, I just, I'm willing to learn. God, I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. As we sing this song, I would like you, if you could, to come out of your seats to the, because I'm a firm believer in just, as you walk, as you take a step, it is a faith step. Come up to the, you know, the altar here and just in your own way, come before God and say, God, here I am. Send me. Do business with God if that is you. But also, there are some people here, and this is very important, and you're here and you're thinking, Pastor Mike, I don't have a heart for this at all. I, this just is something is not grabbing me. I don't have a heart. I'm being honest. I'm being completely transparent honest. I don't have a passion for lost people. And I, I know I need to, but I don't have it, but I know I need to, but I don't have it at the moment. I just need God to help me. God, I sincerely want God to give me something that I haven't got at the moment. I don't care, but I really want to care. I need a supernatural encounter with God where my heart is changed. So if that is you this morning, you're here and you're, you just want to say with enthusiasm, I'm here, God. Or if you're here and within your heart you're saying, God, please help me. I'd like you all to come out the front and I just want to pray over you guys. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit will do something powerful. Now, you don't need to feel embarrassed because no one knows whether you're the here I am or the help people. But I'm just saying that if God's spoken to your heart, just get out the front here while we sing this song, which will probably take a few minutes. So you guys start singing and you guys start coming forth. And Holy Spirit, just move in this place this morning. Just come now. I want you to come out of your seats and just come here. Thank you, Lord God. Or in the aisle or whatever. If you're saying, here I am, just come out. Let God know. God, I need help. You come out too. You come out too. Oh, thank you, Lord God. All I want is to live within your love. Here I am, Lord. I want to be used by you. I've made myself available, Lord. Lord. Oh God, I need help. I need your fire in my life, Lord. God, stir me up, I pray. 
you come out. I need your fire, Lord God. I need your help. here because within your heart there is just a burning that is saying, God, God, I, I just I, I just want to really step into this thing. Or you're here asking for help, saying, God, God, I, I want my heart to be touched. Change me, please. That is such a beautiful, beautiful heart response, acknowledging the fact that work needs to be done. I have done that so many times with God. One of my most regular prayers is, God, I just need your fire. God, please give me a heart for lost people. I, I just need this, God. It's a wonderful prayer. Or you're, you are back in your seats because it's been a bit awkward coming out the front because there's not, much, not a great amount of space here. But right now you are also doing business with God. Just while the band play quietly for the next minute, I just want you yourself right now just to let God exactly know what it is. God, I'm, please use me. I'm available. God, just please touch my heart. Touch my heart. Just let God know. God hears all of our prayer. When, when we pray according to God's will, the Bible says that God hears our prayers. And we know that when He hears our prayers, our prayers will be answered. God will answer your prayer. There are some people at the front, and you've not cared about non-Christians. You, all you have, it's just not been part of your life. And now you're doing business with God. You're saying, God, please change me. It's happening. You, the journey has begun. Others here, God, here I am, use me. Don't be surprised at how quickly an opportunity is going to emerge for you to be a witness for Christ. It's going to happen very, very soon. When our spiritual antennas go up, we will start to see opportunities everywhere. Lord, I, I thank you for, the, for these people. I thank you for every single person in this congregation. I thank you for those people 